And our scripture reading again from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 6, reads, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship to the Father, has made him known. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, well, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied uh, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. This is the word of the Lord. Um, this happened, uh, uh, this morning it marks the, the third Sunday of Advent, the season in the Christian calendar where we not only celebrate the first Advent, the birth of Christ that took place 2,000 years ago when God took on human flesh, but Advent, it is also a time, as we've talked about, uh, a time of looking forward to the second Advent, the promise that Christ is going to come again, um, and what it looks like for us as people of faith to ready our lives, to ready our hearts as we anticipate this, as we anticipate that Christ, we don't know when, but Christ is going to come back, that Christ is going to return. Um, and so last Sunday, we talked about how John the Baptist, in many ways, that John was a trailblazer, that, uh, that John was a forerunner, that John's job, he, he was the one who tilled the soil of people's hearts, going ahead, preparing the people for who it was uh, to come. And the way that John did this, the way that John prepared the people, it was through a message of confession and repentance, or to use John's words, he says, to make straight the way for the Lord in your lives. It was an invitation to humble our hearts before God, because as Jesus would repeatedly remind us all throughout his life and his ministry, that it is only with a heart of humility that we are, are truly able to live into the life that God calls us to. It is only with a heart, with humble hearts, that we are able to live into the life that God calls and invites us to. So it is only with a humble heart, and think about this, it is only with some degree of humility in your life that you are able to practice genuine gratitude and thanksgiving and being able to count your blessings. It is only with a humble heart that you're able to genuinely serve someone else, uh, to be mindful of other people's needs, other people's well-beings. It is only with with a humble heart that we're able to offer, offer our, our worship and our praise to God, acknowledging God's goodness and God's faithfulness. 
Um, and so John's words are, are right on, that if we as people want to posture ourselves well to welcome and to receive the king who has come into the world, we need to ready our hearts. We need to make straight paths for the Lord. And that begins with the act of confession, with the act of repentance, of humbling ourselves before God. Reflecting on our scripture passage for this morning, we find ourselves once again reading about this really interesting, strange character uh, in the Gospels named John. And the interesting thing about John is just like Jesus, the religious leaders, they don't know what to make of him. They don't know what to do with him. And so you can almost picture them skeptical as they approach John and they say, okay, so if you're not the Messiah and, and you're not one of the prophets, then who are you? Who are you? Uh, who sent you? Give us some sort of answer so we can go back and tell everybody else who wants to know who in the world you are. And in summary, John says this. He says, all I'm doing is getting people ready for what is about to happen. Get ready, because there is somebody who's about to arrive and to show up on the scene, who's so wonderful and amazing. I am not even worthy to get down on my hands and knees and, and, and to un, unstrap his sandals. As I was thinking, as I think about John the Baptist in, uh, uh, this past week, I found myself thinking about road trips. And uh, in fact, a few days ago on Facebook, I asked people to share with me uh, the longest road trip that you've ever taken. Um, and what was crazy is over 100 people responded and, and shared with me about different road trips that they've taken. And some of them are absolutely insane. Um, and so I could not, I can't list all of them. So what I did is I made a top five list that I want to share with you this morning. So coming in at number five, 2,800 miles driving from Seattle, Washington to New York City. That's at number five. Number four, very similar trip, but instead of stopping at New York City, it was Seattle all the way to Boston, which puts it roughly about 3,000 miles of driving in one trip. I see a nod. Have you done that? Okay. Well, we're getting to that one. We're getting to Southern California. Uh, and number three, and there was about four or five people who told me they made this trip, which I can't fathom this. Boston to San Diego, California, which is 3,150 miles. And that's a straight line. And when you know, obviously, whenever you're driving, you don't just drive in a straight line. So 3,150 miles is the minimum of what that is. It's probably closer to 32, 3,300 uh, uh, miles or more. Number two, get ready for this. Um, and this actually wins the award for the, the longest distance from one point to another point, okay? So number one is kind of cheating. Um, but number two, my buddy Rick LaFrance, who I grew up with, he lived uh, two streets away from me in Nashua, drove from Anchorage, Alaska to Nashua, New Hampshire, 4,600 miles. And so I don't think Rick is uh, watching us this morning. But I do just want to uh, give a shout out to, to Rick LaFrance, 4,600 miles, Anchorage to Nashua. 
then in first place were just several cross-country road trips that people told me about that involved multiple locations, multiple stops. Um, somebody told me about a, a road trip that was 6,500 miles. Um, my friend Ryan Scott, that name might mean something to you, actually tried to break the Guinness Book of World Records starting in Maine, ending in Washington, hitting every single one of the, the uh, uh, 48 states, not counting Alaska and Hawaii, but trying to do it the fastest. And it took 6,500 miles to, to, to crisscross all of the states. Um, another road trip that was 8,000. And then the winner, the ultimate winner, is uh, Rachel's friend. Her name's Jen Bacos, fellow phot uh, photographer. Went on a solo road trip across the United States, hitting almost every single national park for six weeks, just by herself, over 11,000 miles of driving on that road trip. And so if you've ever been on a trip like those, even if it wasn't insanely long, like driving from Anchorage to Nashua, he himself was not the light. He came as a witness to the light. One of the questions that we asked in our sermon last Sunday was this, and I thought it would be good to ask it again. And the question was, how many people do you think embraced the, life, uh, embraced the life and message of Jesus because of John's faithful witness? How many people's eyes, ears, hearts, and minds were open and receptive to the truth and to the message of Jesus because of the work that John had done ahead of time? And as I think about today's passage, I think we're actually challenged to ask a, a very similar question to that. And that is this, is as we look forward and as we anticipate uh, Christ this Advent season, as we do every Advent season, what does your life point to? What does your life give witness to? How might your life and my life be an extension of God's love in and among the world? This week, I learned um, one of my students that was in our youth ministry back in Kansas City uh, for, for all six years, um, his name was Christian, that he died in a tragic accident in Olathe, Kansas. It made national news. He was driving for FedEx, and for whatever reason, his FedEx truck, it just went over the side of a bridge, and it flipped upside down. And he was a great kid. Christian had a servant's heart. He was the type of kid that any parent would just be so proud to say, that's my boy. He's mine. Um, and I was talking to his dad uh, just a couple days ago, obviously completely crushed and shocked over the sudden loss of his son. And whenever crazy things like this happen, because they do, we're reminded of, uh, of how precious a gift that life is. None of us know what day is going to be our last. And so it just reminded me of our question this morning. What does your life give witness to? The gift of life that you have. Because it's a gift. Every day is a gift. What does your life give witness to? How might your life and my life be an extension of God's love in and among the world? The other day, I was doing some Christmas shopping online, and I saw an advertisement that said, the perfect Christmas ornament for 2020. And I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I should probably check that out and see what the perfect Christmas ornament is 
for 2020. And it was kind of funny because it was a dumpster with flames shooting out the top of the dumpster and with, with, with 2020 just spray painted on the front of the dumpster. <laughs> I think it was that same night. I didn't, I didn't get the ornament. I didn't buy it. Um, that same night, I, I was uh, watching the news and some highlights across the country, people screaming and getting uh, in fist fights with each other arguing over whether or not they should have to wear a mask inside of a store. Um, and then uh, uh, political fighting. I've heard of many people, family members, uh, no longer talking to other family members because they don't see eye to eye or they, they disagree politically. Friends, no longer talking to friends. People having lost the ability to have civil conversations with one another while disagreeing with uh, with, with each other. And I thought to myself, as I was preparing this message this morning, what an incredible opportunity followers of Jesus have right now to be a witness to God's love and kindness and generosity and mercy in the world. What does your life give witness to? What does your life point to as we anticipate and as we look forward to the second advent of Christ, whenever that might be, what does your life point to and give witness to? How might your life and your witness be a breath of fresh air in the last days of 2020 and beyond? What does your life point to? What does it give witness to? How can you and I be an extension of God's love and goodness and peace to our world? Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you so much for this word. And I thank you for the faithful witness of John the Baptist. Um, I thank you for the ways that, that he helped prepare people uh, for the coming of Christ. And that as he, as he waited, as he anticipated, not knowing the exact time, but knowing that surely it's got to be sometime soon that as he looked forward to your arrival, that John's uh, life gave witness to the light that was coming into the world. God, I pray that we might be able to say the same thing about us. That we would ask the question, what does our life give witness to? Um, how can we be an extension of, of your love and peace and goodness in our world today? What does our life give witness to? Will there be people at some point who come to embrace the love and the goodness and the mercy of God because you were able to use us to do it and to be a part of that? How amazing would that be? And so God, with everything going on in our world in 2020, the unrest and the fighting and we could go on and on and on. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to be a people um, who are a witness to the light, whose lives point to something that is great and beautiful. Use us to be a witness, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.